Hey guys, this is me. Did you move today? Welcome to the Dream Move Today podcast. I'm your host, Andrea, and I'm very excited to be here. In this episode, I have Dr. Eric Russell as my guest. Dr. Grossel is an associate professor in the University of California, San Diego Department of Family Medicine and Public Health. And he is a principal investigator in the BA San Diego Health Services Research and Development Unit. He has served as center director of the University of California, San Diego Health Services Research Center since 1999. He received his clinical psychology PhD in 1999 from the SDSU UCSD joint doctoral program with a specialization in behavioral medicine, health psychology. Dr. Grossel conducts research in the general areas of integrative medicine, cost effectiveness, health-related quality of life, patient self-management, veterans, and military health. Currently, he's completing an NCCIH-funded R34 study comparing two types of yoga for military personnel with chronic low back and neck pain. He also is leading a two-year BA-funded randomized feasibility trial studying the benefits of yoga combined with mantra repetition for veterans with chronic pain and PTSD. Finally, he's a co-investigator on a large BA comparative studies program project that will compare yoga to other non-pharmacological treatments for chronic low back pain in veterans. So without further ado, let's just get started. Hi, doctor. Thank you very much for being here. Can you hear me well? Yes, I can. How Great. are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. So my first question for you is if you can tell me about yourself. Uh, sure, sure. Um, well, I live in Encinitas, California. I'm married and have two wonderful children ages. Uh, they're just turning 13 and 15. Uh, so they're doing a lot of schooling from home right now. Um, but I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And um, uh, then I attended a, a number of universities studying different subjects, not really sure what I wanted to do. And uh, I ended up graduating with a Bachelor of Science in Economics from the University of Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Chicago and uh, worked in banking for a while. And uh, eventually our bank got bought out and uh, things were changing. So I went back to school at DePaul University. And then I came out to San Diego and got my PhD in clinical psychology. I know you have, um, you just mentioned you have an economics background um, and it sounds like you also worked corporate. Uh, do, you, do you think that that background has helped you in academia? Um, Yes, definitely. Um, it's helped me in a number of ways. It's kind of funny because when I was um, getting ready to come out to San Diego for and, and for some other locations and universities for graduate school, I was advised to, you know, just talk about psychology. Don't talk about your banking. Make sure they think you're really focused on psychology now. And the first question I got when I came out here was about my economics degree. Mm -hmm. um, so I ended up um, using that degree quite a bit in uh, health and, and health research in, in the form of cost effectiveness analysis. And so we analyze the cost and effects of many different health interventions. And then I also run a research center. So just uh, the banking and um, business background helped me manage finances and grants much more easily. I'm happy you say that uh, because when I 
saw your that you have an economics background. I study one of my majors in college was business and I worked corporate for four years. So when I wanted to go back to grad school, I was like, I want to go to kinesiology, but I have this background that is different. So I'm happy that you mentioned that, you know, it's something that has helped you. And I do think that it, it definitely helps, especially dealing with IRB and like all the, the, the things that come with it, with the interventions itself. Yes, very much so. I mean, there's a lot of administrative work um, that goes around, goes on behind the scenes in research uh, and in starting a nonprofit or, or delivering uh, healthcare services to individuals, um, hiring employees, all sorts of those factors. And it's important to not have to worry about those things and know how to do them. Why, why do you decide to pursue a PhD? When was the, why a PhD? Well, um, let's see, you know, I, I was actually studying psychology earlier in, before I got my economics degree, and um, I was very interested in it, but a friend of mine, he got a bachelor's degree in psychology, and he went and uh, was looking for a job uh, also in Chicago, and, you know, he was back the next semester and uh, working on his master's, and he said, it's, you know, a bachelor's degree in psychology is not enough, it seems, to get a good job. Um, and I just always remembered that. Um, so later when I became maybe a little disillusioned with banking, um, you know, I, I thought a, de a graduate degree would be important. And uh, I, I just decided, uh, I don't know if there's any specific reason um, but I was doing research work and uh, psychology work at DePaul University, and I, I knew a number of people in doctoral programs. Um, and I guess I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to lead my own research. Um, you know, I didn't maybe want to work for someone else uh, my whole yeah. life. And uh, I don't know if it's a, a power thing, but um, I don't think it is. But I, I, I like the idea of... Um, being able to follow my own ideas uh, as I saw them. You So you always knew you wanted to do what you're doing? Um, no, no. I, I um, took me a very long time to kind of find my path. I mean, I, I started out in my first uh, year in college. I, I really had no idea. I was good at math and science. And I was in a pre-engineering program at the University of Minnesota and lasted about a year. Um, I then was in psychology for um, a couple of years. And then I finished degree, a degree in economics. Um, and I was happy to get through. I had gone to school yeah. about five and a half years. Um, and, um, you know, and then so I tried business and banking. Um, and uh, I enjoyed aspects of it. But. When I worked in the community, it was a community bank. I got to know people in uh, the Lincoln Park area of Chicago. And uh, um, I, when we got bought out, I felt I couldn't, uh, I, I didn't feel I was helping anyone very much. Um, my father was a, a physician and I was raised to kind of try and uh, contribute um, and make the world a better place. But um, we were telling long-term customers that they didn't get their loan approved because it didn't meet some number cut off. 
Yeah. And maybe they had been a customer for 40 years at that bank, but the new owners, they used a formula. Um, so it wasn't, um, relationships weren't as important. Um, and I was, um, I was no longer progressing. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just saw, um, I wanted to find a way to help people more. At that point, uh, someone encouraged me to study organizational, industrial organizational psychology. Yeah. And I took one course in that. And it seemed all about um, helping people be better employees and finding good employees so that the company would make more money. Um, or would be more mm -hmm. profitable or efficient or something like that. Um, and so the end goal of that still seemed at that time for me too much about um, making money, I guess, and, which there's nothing wrong with, of course, but um, I wanted to find a way to put uh, helping people first. Now, I want to talk about your research because a very important component of a PhD and now as a as a doctor yourself, you have uh, a lot of research going on. And what's your favorite research so far? Well, um, you know, it, it's hard to say I have one um, favorite um, research study uh, of mine. A lot of it builds on previous work, but uh, definitely, you know, some of my work on yoga interventions for chronic pain in veterans, uh, military veterans here at the VA San Diego um, may, feels like some of my most important uh, work to date. I received a grant in 2012 and I did uh, a study in which I enrolled 150 veterans, uh, randomized them to either yoga or a delayed treatment group. So they got yoga six months later. Um, and so that was a fully funded uh, four-year study. And uh, I was able to publish those results showing that yoga did uh, really produce, uh, reduce disability and reduce pain and reduce fatigue in these military veterans with chronic low back pain. Uh, and I published those results. Um, so yes, that was... Um, a very satisfying study. Why is that you decide to do a study, to, to do research in yoga? Or was it because you were a practitioner yourself or you, you practice yoga or what was it about it that made you start, you know, working on, on this kind of research? Um, well, you know, I, I think even when I was still in Chicago in the early 90s, I was becoming interested in health and, and spirituality to some extent um, and kind of searching. Um, you know, I, I was raised kind of in a formal religious background and, and uh, it, it was a lot of it was just seemed a formality and a ritual that, that I didn't always connect with. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I tried yoga and uh, I was exploring some meditation and became a practitioner myself. Um, and then um, back in 2001, I had gotten my PhD and I gave a job talk here at UCSD and uh, to potentially become faculty. Um, and I was kind of a postdoc at that time. 
and I, I presented some research I was working on in health outcomes and quality of life. And then at the end, I said, you know, and another area I'd really like to uh, pursue is research on yoga and meditation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll never forget a, a, a senior faculty member raised his hand and said, and just how do you think you're going to do that? <laughs> um, with, with, you know, uh, it, as if it sounded really quite ridiculous. Um, you know, and the truth was I hadn't gotten very far with it. Um, I had to tell him that, well, I've, I've really only done literature searches so far, but uh, that I hope to, you know, pursue some type of funding and, and move that forward. Um, so, yes, I was gaining personal benefit. Um, it, it was seemed to be more of it and uh, in, in, in more acceptance of yoga and meditation out here in Southern California, I think. Um, and so, um, but I think that also the, the tides were turning uh, throughout the world as being more open to some of these mind-body uh, interventions. Um, so, yeah, that's why I, I then, uh, I didn't find any, uh, a way to do any research at that time. But within a couple years, I found out about a yoga program here at VA San Diego. And I quickly emailed the physician who was doing this. Uh, It wasn't research at that time. It was a clinical program. Um, And I asked if they had collected any data. She said, well, not really. We have a a form at the end um, that collects a a little bit of information. So I had learned a lot about validated health outcome questionnaires. And so I gathered some of those and I, I created an IRB and I started collecting data in 2005. Doctor, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but in the interventions, uh, when you're your current uh, research, do you use Hatha Yoga as your intervention? And if yes, uh, why Hatha Yoga and not other styles? Well, you know, um, Yes, I, I do. I, I describe my interventions as Hatha Yoga. And the term Hatha Yoga I've seen is used a number of different ways. Yeah. In a real broad term, Hatha Yoga, uh, as I understood it, simply meant any yoga that involves physical postures. Okay. Um, in addition, there, there are forms of yoga that uh, pretty much resemble meditation. They are deep breathing and uh, mostly meditation. Kriya yoga, for example, um, nidra yoga, yoga nidra, yeah. for example. Um, and those don't involve postures. Um, Kundalini yoga is kind of a mix, um, but but mostly um, not, not too many postures or, or movement. Um, and so... Um, in that respect, I describe my yoga, uh, the interventions as Hatha yoga, because they are physical postures and they are not affiliated to one type. In that sense, I would say um, Iyengar yoga and, uh, and many, you know, Vini yoga could be seen as a form of Hatha yoga as well. Um, but it, it blends together training from a number of instructors in different styles. And so, um, Yes, it's just trying to um, describe that we include physical postures, we include movement, we include 
breathing exercises and concentration uh, with some meditation. Um, um, so the yoga is also designed to be safe for people with a variety of different medical conditions. Um, so our yoga interventions are, are fairly similar, similar to much Iyengar yoga. Um, it's not heated yoga. It's not, uh, it doesn't emphasize physicality and, and rapid movement like some, um, some types of yoga do. Now, I have a question concerning, you know, since you have a lot of uh, experience and you have a phenomenal C curriculum, um, CV, what, what could you share with students that are either master students, some of them looking to do their PhD or PhD students? W what would you recommend? Do you even recommend a postdoc or what's something that you, you would say or you would share? Um. Well, there's just so many different areas. Um, you know, I think thinking back to, you know, some things we already dis discussed, um, you know, be open-minded and flexible. Often we think we want to do one thing and uh, it may not turn out to be uh, what we expected it to be, for example. Um, that doesn't mean don't try new things. It, it means the opposite. Yeah. Try new things, be open to new opportunities. Um, I've had people contact me and they say, I really want to do yoga, uh, yoga research. Um, do you have any positions? And I said, I'm, I'm often saying no. I, I mean, I, I used to be contacted about maybe 20 or 25 times a year and I might have one position coming up. Um, So, um, but I, I certainly encourage people to keep pursuing that, but, uh, you know, don't let that stop you from looking for other opportunities. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think master's degrees are great and, um, um, you know, some people really enjoy and benefit from a PhD program. Others do not. Um, I think, um, You know, I, I think you can always find a way down the road to do the things you want to do, but sometimes you have to wait for those things, the good things too. The opportunities come up uh, spontaneously. When you look for students or people that you want do you, that you want to hire, what are those things that you look uh, for the most? Well, you know, the truth is we don't, often hire people just randomly or, or that are just applying blindly to a position. Um, you know, there, there are different sayings about it's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, that's not always true, but often, um, you know, for example, my advisor at San Diego State, my from graduate school, um, she still does research out there And she has a big lab full of uh, undergraduates and master's students. And uh, every year she has a big Christmas holiday party uh, with about 40 or 50 people. And people, everybody has to get up and kind of um, say something about themselves. Well, she sends us great um, research trained 
students. And, and we, our research center, we often hire uh, people from her. Um, sometimes we still post jobs and we do hire people um, that we don't in any way know. Um, what do we look for in them? Um, gosh, um, certainly relevant research experience. Um, it's good, you know, for the work we do that people are comfortable working with data and with numbers. Um, but also, you know, qualitative data is important these days too. Um, enthusiasm. Um, you know, we, we um, somebody who's enthusiastic and outgoing, um, we have fabulous roles for people like that too, who may not do a lot of data work. So, um, you know, it, we don't look for, for any one thing uh, besides kind of the usual um, relevant experience, interest in, in the topic area. Um, and um, I guess that's all I have. Doctor, I have two more questions for you. Um, my first okay. question that I do it all the time, and it's the name of this podcast, is did you move today? Um, well, yes, I, I did move a little bit. Um, I start every morning. Um, I, I do um, have some chronic pain uh, that I feel on a regular basis, almost daily. Um, it's not severe, but I start every morning with a hot shower, followed by about just 10 minutes of yoga and stretching at home, um, followed by uh, maybe a 20-minute meditation. Um, so that little bit of movement really helps me um, um, be, feel stretched and avoid um, pain flare-ups throughout my day. Um, but I definitely also believe in more intensive exercise. Um, as a public health researcher, I'm interested in aging, uh, not just in living a longer, but a higher quality life. And there's something about high intensity exercise um, with getting the heart rate up, sweating. Uh, I don't know if we're sweating out the toxins. Uh, I don't know all the um, biology behind that, but... Um, I, I, I try and do that. And I had to really um, being stay at home when my gym closed because I usually uh, I, I haven't been able to run, for example, because of knee and back problems. I use some machines and our gym shut down the YMCA in Encinitas. Um, and I've I've discovered that I can walk on our treadmill on a five degree incline. Mm -hmm. If I keep it on an incline, um, my knees and back have tolerated it. So I'm feeling very lucky uh, in that respect. I know not all people have that option, but, um, and then I, I've been trying to do uh, fast walks um, sometimes during the workday as well. Why do you think that there is more research, or maybe this is more anecdotal, but what do you think that there's more research in aerobic exercise? Because there's so many benefits within, within aerobic exercise. Why do you, th why is that? Um, why is there more research on aerobic exercise than, than yoga? Then, then other, than other things, um, I've seen like how aerobic exercise increases uh, brain-drive neurotrophic factor, which is responsible for uh, neurogenesis. 
and why you know the, the that it can increase hippocampal volume and improve memory and like there's so many benefits within it and you're, you're talking about that you do you do both so you do you do yoga you do the, the mindfulness part as well as well as you walk do fast walks and all that um what do you think that there is more research in one more than the other or yeah yes i mean compared to um yoga and meditation and tai chi and um um some of these newer mind body interventions um i mean there's much more research on physical activity um which emphasizes the word physical um you know and and i think people are just now realizing that the mental and emotional yeah. and spiritual aspects of health are are just as important people are are just discovering this mind body connection that you know if you're depressed you may have physical symptoms you may have sleep problems you may have uh, eating problems uh, stomach problems um, if you're extremely nervous about a speech or about um, the virus, you may feel that physically as well. So we know that there's this strong connection. We know that now that deep breathing um, and, uh, and meditation and, and yoga, conscious movement um, can really alleviate a lot of uh, those emotional and, and mental um, uh, stressors as well. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, it's mainly that it was, um, more logical that you're moving, uh, that's, that's a physical thing. It, it affects this heart rate and we can describe the biology. We don't always know how the breathing and this sympathetic nervous system, uh, work together. Um, so it's a little more mysterious. Um, but I think we, we're seeing the stigma, um, be reduced um, many people, you know, in my uh, town of Encinitas, they began delivering free yoga in public schools. And there was a lawsuit um, by some religious groups. And th their claim was that these poses were uh, worshiping Hindu gods. And, uh, and a lot of us thought it was ridiculous. Um, pretty much the judge and, and the jurors and it, it went to a jury wow. trial and uh, it was thrown out. It was, it was deemed to be, you know, ridiculous that, and, and that most yoga um, is not a spiritual or religious worship unless you want to make it that way. It, it can take on that aspect, but it's not inherent in it. Um, so um it's evolving and becoming so much more widely used. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And my last question for you uh, is what's movement for you? Well, you know, that's a hard question. Movement can, can mean so many different things. And, and um, I think, um, you know, because I'm a health public health researcher, I do think of health most often and as I said, not just physical, but um, mental, emotional, spiritual health as well, um, and living longer. But, you know, I think movement is, uh, is, uh, helps us move towards a greater potential in life and more meaning in life. Um, I think it, it helps us remind us who we are and, and can uh, foster acceptance 
Um, it's not just a goal to change the way we look for our body, but um, to accept ourselves too. Um, yet, you know, movement also means um, staying busy and participating in life, doing things. And I, I think that's good. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, when I emailed you, I was like, I hope he said yes. He says yes, and you said yes. So I'm, I'm very happy uh, to have you as my guest. Oh, you know, my pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for asking me. All right, guys. I, I hope that, that you moved today. And if you haven't, you still have a couple of hours. Anything else, uh, doctor, that you would like to share with everyone else listening? Um. No, just that, um, you know, it, it's a tough time right now for a lot of people and uh, moving, I think, can help us. Um, it's more important than ever to, to move and um, move consciously. Thank you, doctor. You're welcome. You too. Have a great day.